Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo mild hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between. Volvo Mild Hybrid Technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. It's <laughs> Pod Four Forty, the week that Palace have not played football. Football has been postponed uh, after the passing of Queen Elizabeth um, the Second. So we've got a very special guest coming up this week. A late call up to the pod, and we're delighted he's with us. It's the one and only Henry Winter who's giving us his thoughts on Palace. Also joining us, uh, uh, not a late call up, a regular and just as good a guest. Jack Pierce is here as well. Jack, how you doing? No means as good a guest, JD. It's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, really excited to hear what Henry has to say about current Palace. I know we're going to maybe ask him about his thoughts about Palace and yesteryear and all things Patrick Vieira. So yeah, really interested to hear hear what Henry's going to say. Not many better place in the game to hear from. No, very very lucky indeed to have him have him in. As I said, late late transfer because it was all sort of very late late notice that the games were sort of called off and and, and Palace's game against Man United, which I was going to miss for my daughter's third birthday party. So now I get hopefully get to go to it. So actually, I'm quite happy. Um, it was all a bit. Um, we're living through weird times, aren't we? Like we've, we've had COVID. We've now got this. Is obviously a huge news story. It's massive. Um, probably aware it was going to happen at some point. It's now happening, and again, we're living through sort of strange times. Yeah. I'm, I'm... I guess I've always thought that as and when this event did happen, things would stop and, and events would have to be suspended. So I wasn't really surprised that the Premier League were going to postpone games. Um, the only surprise I really had was the hesitancy. I just presumed there would be a protocol and, and things would be announced quite quickly. But yeah, sadly, you know, given that the Brighton game was already called off this coming weekend, um, it just meant you know, obviously quite a long gap for Palace fans not to to see our team in in the flesh. So, um, you know, a shame, but understandable. And to be honest, it, as I said, the only surprise was that it took as long as it did to to really come out in the, in the announcement. But, you know, we looking at it positively, hopefully it gives uh, the squad and Vieira and the coaching staff, you know, a longer period of time, given that we had that 
peculiar pre-season with half the team on the other side of the world. Just trying to say positives, but the negative, I guess, is obviously as long a time without watching Palace. Just as you start to get back in the swing of, yeah. of things, having had the summer off. So, um, yeah, Chelsea at home on the first really can't come soon enough. But, yeah, look, looking forward to that. And um, I guess, as I think we touched on the last pod, I guess these games will have to be rearranged for the new year. It's just going to be a very, very manic few months at the start of next year and can see a lot of games happening midweek and and being squeezed in as and when they can, which is a shame because Brighton away is obviously such a big game for us and Manchester United at Selhurst would have been great on a Sunday afternoon. So that's probably now going to be a Tudor Wednesday night at home instead. But yeah, you, you just have to understand why these decisions are taken, I guess. Hopefully we'll catch Man United once Ten Hag has lost the dressing room and uh, they're out of this little patch of form that they were in. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah, so... Uh, and also, no goals in September. Unacceptable. Uh, oh, no. Appalling, really, from Palace. <laughs> no, it's a very, very weird situation. We're all trying to navigate it, aren't we? Players, fans, staff and everything. So... Um, yeah, hopefully we'll get back to football soon. The Brighton thing was weird because it was called off because of the train strike. Train strikes then cancelled because of the, uh, the the state funeral, but then police are needed for that. So, so it was thinking, oh, is it back on? No, it's back off again. So it's yeah, it's 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 weird times. And and we do actually talk to Henry about this at the start of uh, part two as well. He's got some thoughts on on sort of how fans are treated in 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 these scenarios, which is interesting as well. So, and um, we'll come on to that. Before we do that, should we do a drum roll for a random patron? Oh, please, let's do it. Okay, here we go. The the, the, uh, the regal. Uh, drum roll. Let's. Uh... <laughs> um, it's Jordan Slater. Jordan. Jordan. It's finally happened, Jordan. <laughs> there we go. Absolute legend, Jordan. I believe currently in sunnier climes, uh, enjoying Spain. I think so. Uh, have a yes. nice time out there, my friend. Uh, wish we were with you. Um, but yeah, you can join the patron like Jordan is and get all, all sorts of rewards, including post-match podcasts. Um, I believe the guys are planning some uh, extra pods as well during this break as well. Uh, patron-only merchandise and access to the Discord Club, which is a good place to get updated on all things that happen, football and palace-related, at patreon.com. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com com slash fyp podcast um if i can do another quick shout out as well for the marathon march that's come around quickly it's next weekend 24th of september we are again for the palace for life marching 26.2 miles through the streets of south london to raise money for the foundation and the work they do across south london fyp are doing a team again it's our seventh year sixth year seventh year i think now doing it um Trying to raise as much money as possible. I'd like to say Joe Walker has joined the team this year, so it'd be great to work with Joe. Jack has dodged the draft yet again, somehow. Tough time. I mean, it, it just falls with a very unfortunate birthday, which I, 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 I yeah, I, I can make all the excuses under the sun. Next year, next year, I promise. Next there year, there we go. He's in, and that's you recorded. Have it on. Now. That's recorded. Um, <laughs> so anyway, if you'd like to donate to us, we're trying to raise as much as possible, um, as loads of people are. But if you could donate us, I, I know times are hard. I'm very aware that we are living through uh, uh, obviously a cost of living crisis at the moment. So what you can donate, what you can. Uh, but if you can, we and the foundation would really appreciate it. Um, FYP. Sorry, justgiving.com slash fundraising slash FYP Marathon March 2020. I should have picked a shorter URL. Apologize. Um, is the link. Put the link in the in the, bio. In the show notes. <laughs> and, and if you follow us on social media, or on Twitter and Instagram, we will be um, on the day of the march posting updates on how we're getting on videos, photos, and that link a lot. So um, do follow us then for updates on how we're getting on. Jim, so. dare, dare I ask how your training is going? Well, 
normally I always forget and I get to this point and I think, well, I've done nothing. Going to Edinburgh for four weeks and oh. walking up and down the hills of Edinburgh, which actually we do talk to Henry about as well. It turns out he went to university in Edinburgh. Um, I've actually done fantastic training. I've lost loads of weight. My calves look fantastic. And I'm actually in the best prep I've ever been for the marathon march completely by accident. So I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good. That's yeah. a surprising answer. Glad yeah. I asked. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure <laughs> come 4pm on Saturday, I'll still be a complete mess. Um, but I'm in, yeah, best prep I think I could have I could have tried. Um, so anyway, yeah, please do help us if you can. Um, and if you're on the march on Saturday, there's 150 people signed up now. We will see you then. Looking forward to it. Um, before we crack on with part two with Henry, delighted to say we're sponsored this week by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. Uh, they're, of course, a Croydon-based palace supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors for a free consultation on any to with mortgages, property portfolios, or help with mitigating against the rising interest rates, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Right, Jack, I think it's time to get in uh, to our special guest. What do you think? They've waited long enough. Let's get him on. This is the one and only Henry Winter uh, on the FYP podcast. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge, for every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. 
Full details on example policies at selectquo.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios or help with mitigating against rising interest rates. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. And there's no football at the moment. So we would fill that with a special guest. So we've got on this week, I'm delighted. I can't believe we've booked him. It's the daddy of UK football journalism. It's Henry Winter. Henry, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. I like the idea of being booked. I normally get uh, abuse on social media following by a request. By the way, will you come on our podcast? <laughs> yeah, we, won't, we won't divulge to the listeners how our experience was, uh, but I'm sorry about all those tweets. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for coming on. How are you? How are you, uh, how are you dealing with, um, well, we just spoke off air, you're still going to games, but the football break. Football really doesn't have a break. I know for, for fans it was frustrating last weekend, but... I mean, I've just been going to Champions League games, obviously European games, uh, looking forward to games this weekend. I mean, I don't think you guys have got a game until, what, early October? October. With the international break and obviously the train strike and and, the, and obviously, the, you know, the, the Queen. So uh, it, it, is, it is strange. But, it, you know, if anything, you have a pause, you have a reset, and it just reminds you how much this game matters how much going to games matter. I mean, I went to your first game of the season, the uh, the Arsenal game, and it was just that lovely sort of summer evening. It just And I had to go outside just to sort of get a signal or whatever. And just seeing all the Palace fans just sort of walk in, and it's, it's one of those great... And having been through COVID and having done about, what, 140, 150 games behind closed doors, not that, you know, us in the media would ever take fans for granted. But I think fans are taken for granted at times. And just seeing that lifeblood flowing back into games again was just, you know, it's pretty precious and shouldn't be forgotten. Completely agree. Do, do you think that was the case with these games at this this break over this weekend then, that fans are taken for granted a little bit? It, it's, it's obviously completely different in terms of um, circumstances. Um, in terms of preparation, I mean... You know the, 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 you know the Queen because of her age, the planning that's been going into this for twenty years. I mean, I know from a media perspective that there were so many things, supplements, tributes, whatever that were, that were planned. So I think they may have put a, a little bit more thought into it. But you know what? I, I mean, I batter the authorities on many occasions, particularly in terms of their treatment with fans. But I think in this case, you knew what they were going to do. And I remember tweeting. 
I think I was in Old Trafford for the Europa League game against Sociedad, I think it was. And I, I remember tweeting, said, there is, I'm just sort of naively, as I often am with social media, just tweeting, there's no way the Premier League and the EFL are going to play games this weekend. Just under, just knowing the mindset and the experience, having been through it in 97 with Diana, certain games got called off. Other sports played on, but you know what? Everyone says, but, but football aren't. Aren't other sports? Football matters. This country, with great respect to rugby and cricket, this country can live without those sports. You know, even though they're fantastic sports, and I go and watch England play rugby and cricket, and I love it. But you can't live without football, and and it is just matters so much. But I just knew what the authorities were going to do. The authorities were going to be twitchy that someone might have said something out of turn. Whereas, in fact, all the you know, all the minute silences I've heard Chelsea last night. I mean, even Liverpool, people, you know, there were a couple of shouts, but actually it was it was pretty respectful. Um, where else have I been? You know, you look at other shows of respect. I'm sure Palace fans would have done exactly the same, you know, and you would have been able to hear a pin drop if there'd been a, a minute silence at, at Selhurst Park. So sometimes I think you've got to trust the fans a bit more, but knowing the mentality of the people at the EFL and the FA, you knew they were going to, and the Premier League, you knew they were going to call the games off that weekend. And then obviously games are off this weekend or three games are off this weekend or certainly two because of the, uh, because of the policing requirements. Yeah. And ours, ours, uh, Ours was off because of the train strike. Train, train strike. strike's back off now, but I think because of policing requirements, the game is still not going ahead. Uh, but you know what, you say this, but I was looking through the fixtures, so I'm sorting out sort of, you know, my year. There was, a, there was a weekend later on this year when there are two London derbies and then another huge game. You think, oh, hang on policing that weekend is going to be hit as well. So maybe we're going to get more of this and... Anyway, I mean, there's always that dynamic between the police, the government and the league clubs over who should pay, whether it should be within the ground, whether it should be out of ground. So that's a slightly more sort of technical thing. But that will be a debate. Policing costs will run and run, particularly if you have a big game, you know, when you might need up to 500 police and they're not cheap, particularly if you throw in police horses. Yeah, well, yeah. Um It's going to be interesting to see where they fit these games in. I mean, I think Arsenal got three games to fit in, so before the end of the season in various places. So I don't know quite what happened with that. We're they've pissed. had a, they, well, they've had another Premier League game postponed to fit in a champion uh, Europa League match because UEFA obviously need their competition to finish on time, whereas the Premier League have a little bit more flexibility. So, yeah, the league is going to... And that was a Manchester City-Arsenal game, which is a huge game, which would very likely have been televised. So, it's, it's yeah, it's going to be a very busy January to May, you would think. There was a great piece in the uh, Daily Mail where they were going through when they could fit, I think, that Arsenal fixture. And they came up with the first week in April. <laughs> I don't know where I'm next week. Let alone, you know, I mean, it's, it is. And then you suddenly get the sort of the new co-owner of Chelsea throwing in this idea of having an all-star game, which when you're thinking, well, hang on a sec, read the room, you know, read the back pages, you know, listen to the podcast. It is there's no room for, for, for games, particularly in this bizarre season of two halves with the World Cup in the middle of it. We might not be too far away from the first ever doubleheader, the Premier League doubleheader, a morning game and then an afternoon game. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> a classic sort of we'll Sunday see. league. Classic Sunday league, yeah. Who wants to be at home today? Yeah, yeah. So we're... I mean, guys, it could be worse. We could be at Centre Parks at the moment. So let's just count off. <laughs> Today's count okay. Off, Mon- Monday's not so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's bring it on to Palace then, Henry. Before we sort of get your thoughts on Palace this season and Palace under Vieira, I thought we could go back and find out when was the first time you saw Palace live? 
either in a professional capacity or not. Do you remember your first sort of visit to Celeste? Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in the middle of London, so I was fortunate. I went to sort of a lot of games all around London. Um, but I think the, what, the one that one of the earliest ones that sticks out in my mind, certainly professionally covering it, was the Cantona game. Oh, wow. And I was in the press box. And, um, I mean, you know where the press box is and where Cantona did his, you know, he was doing the walk of shame towards the tunnel and obviously your eyes on him because the game stopped. And then he suddenly leaps into the crowd. And it's quite rare that the press box, people in the press box are lost for words. You know, it's a slightly sort of occupational hazard if that comes along. But but just to see that, and it was at a crazy time in football. Was that 95? Yeah. It was a crazy time in football when there were so many issues going on. There were bonds, there were sort of resignations, there was sort of all the chaos leading up to Euro 96 the following year. And then you had sort of Cantona doing that, and you were just thinking, this is just, just extraordinary. And I... I finished my piece, which unlike me, I finished it sort of vaguely on time. And I said to, the, to, to everyone else in the press box, I, I said, I'll ring the FA, get the duty officer, see what their reaction is going to be. And I rang up the, uh, the, the, the duty officer, and it wasn't the usual one, but it was someone who obviously maybe had an in for Manchester United, maybe was in that classic Captain Mannering blustering way of the uh, of the FA, you know, this is disgraceful. You know, the empire wasn't built on behaviour like this. We must crack down on this, this, this Frenchman. And um, he said to me, he said, he was just so sort of, just want to get the words out. He said, we're going to throw, we're going to throw. And he, instead of saying we're going, to, we're going to throw the whole rule book at him, he said, we're going to throw the whole phone book at him. <laughs> which I then turned to everyone else in the and said, listen, it's an off-the-record briefing this, but the FA basically are going to go for Cantona. They're outraged. You can write that in your own words. Um, as they then did, I think he got a sort of nine-month ban or whatever and um, almost left Manchester United. And and then, so I said, he said, he actually said they're going to throw the whole phone because it be meant that the law, but, and the Guardian being the Guardian, when you know they're going to throw the whole phone book at him, which is sort of added to, to the sort of comedic value of the whole uh, of the whole event. So that that was extraordinary. Um, so I think that's probably one of my most. Memories. But if if I if I think about Palace, obviously think about the fans. I think about the atmosphere. I mean, I'm very fortunate to go to so many games, and you have seen with all seater stadium with the sort of gentrification people. You have seen a slight neutering of noise. But actually, I've never found that at Palace. I've never found that at Salas Park. I think, you know, you're, you know the Homestale, the, the, the noise is great. I think it's partly set because it seems to me, and look, you guys go on a, you, you, you live this club, but it seems to me there's a genuine engagement between dressing room, terrace and boardroom, that holy trinity, was actually, you don't always get that in modern football. But it does seem that there is a, partly because you've got players who, come out of these amazing talent factories that you have in, in, in South London. So there's an engagement there with, with supporters, Wilf being an obvious example. And you then you've got an owner in Steve Parrish who is, it was genuine, you know, and you can go back to Simon Jordan. I know one or two Palace fans might have, but you know, he had Palace in his side. Uh, even I met David Blitzer, um, well, I went round uh, your amazing new academy, developing academy with Steve Parrish. In fact, for the Arsenal game, the Arsenal. and and Derek Blitz, he was asking really intelligent, engaged questions. His two sons were there, 
And look, I imagine, like a lot of people who come into football, there is it's purely financial, but also, but but Blitz was was just genuinely engaged with the area. Well, I mean, Steve was speaking as he does brilliantly and very passionately about this incredible talent you've got on your doorstep, and talking about Croydon and the passport office and people who sort of come and almost settle in the area. Uh, to sort of set, then settle into the country. And this incredible, just sort of melting pot, I think he called it, of, of talent. I mean, coming back to Todd Burley and what he was talking about with All-Star Game, you could have a South London against the rest of the country. Players who grew up in it, you know, like they have in Australia, yeah. they have the, or, I was at the origin matches, you have players who were born in a certain era. So I was really impressed. And Blitzer was very engaged with that, asked really intelligent questions as his two sons did. So when I think of Palace, I think of, I just think of the people. I think of the people I've met through Palace, whether it's Joanne, who's amazing, who works on your PR son. I think I remember in the she was manning the phones when you were in the cup final many years back. And now she's sort of doing the media mm. operation. I obviously knew her well from, from from England. People who are, you know, when you talk to Joe and Steve and um and Wilf, the whole palace thing just flows from them. So I know a lot of all clubs are like this, but it seems to me particularly pertinent with Palace. And I find it with Patrick Vieira as well, with Wilf when I've talked to him, when Roy Hodgson sitting in Roy's office talking about that whole Palace. Um, so, yeah, all that. but one definite memory I have, um, 1980, Kenny Sampson, that move, I can remember being at school and just talking to people about it and just trying to understand what was going on, a forward in Clive Allen, a left back in Kenny Sampson. Obviously, Kenny was an went on to be or was uh, an England legend. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, but again, it all, it, it comes back to people, whether fans, whether owners, whether players, whether managers. I um, I've, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the Wrexham documentary on Netflix. Mm. Welcome to Wrexham. I'm, I'm about, I'm up to date with it now. It's very good. If you've got a spouse like me, who's not into football at all, it's a great way to force them to watch a documentary about non-league football. It's not a position I ever thought I'd ever be in. Um, but I remember talking to my wife about owners because the whole thing is about owners joining and, and, and are they genuine and what do they care about? And do they care about the club and stuff? And actually end up talking about Palace and Steve and actually how we're in a very fortunate position at the moment to have owners who are cast iron fans who care about the club and actually that we're in a really good position. Then I was telling her about Goldberg and Jordan and stuff like that. And, and then she did leave the room, to be fair. So I think I did push it. But it was... <laughs> It, it was just interesting that you're talking about the owners there. And I think there's there's something about longevity at Palace. You know, the names you've mentioned, Terry Byfield, Phil Alexander. There's a longevity that I think gives Palace fans, whether we're doing well or badly, a sort of comfort in a way. Because we have to see these faces, we see these names and they're there for a long time. And, and so are we as fans. That's so kind of sort of replicated inside the club. I was just going to mention that Joel Ward was, um, he had a few Sunday interviews last week. I won't divulge to Henry how much of a fan of Joel Ward I am. That's a, a separate issue. But he, he was interviewed as part of his kind of 10 years at the club. And the big thing that came out of the interview was him heralding the stability of the club, you know, referencing Steve Parrish. I think for the players, I mean, obviously, Henry, you're completely right. As fans, that's something we are really pleased with in terms of knowing the club's in good hands and Steve Parrish has 
such a strong relationship with the fans that we, we are considered at, at every step, really. But to know that the feeling is the same in the dressing room is is as reassuring because it does kind of increase the likelihood of players feeling more comfortable and therefore maybe staying a bit longer or wanting to develop themselves at, at Palace before looking for a move. So, yeah, that, that feeling throughout the club is is, is very strong and, and also echoed in the, the Channel 4 documentary that's on at the moment regarding the academy. It, it's a fantastic... Uh, is that the football dreams one? It yeah, is. It yeah. is. It is fantastic. I think one of the reasons why players do tend to stay is because once you've actually got to the to Selhurst Park, it's so difficult to find. I mean, it is <laughs> South London. I mean, maybe it's the North Londoner in me, but I mean the South London. I remember when I was at the Telegraph, being in a um, in Canary Wharf, and I think it was an Arsenal game was called off, and I was there, and I was, you know, Arsenal's about twenty minutes from Canary Wharf. My boss said, "Do you want to go to Aston Villa?" which kicks off in about four hours' time, or do you want to go to Selhurst Park? And I said, well, the quicker one is going to be Aston Villa. So, I, I mean, you're, the, the South Circular, I've had many... Um, I always drive home after games. It's about two-and-a-half-hour drive from Selhurst Park, mainly about an hour and a half getting out of um, Thornton Heath. But, you know, you you, you mentioned the, the, the characters. You've got good people in the dressing room. I mean, I think of people like Will Hughes, I've interviewed down the years, Butman, Johnston... I've not interviewed Mark Gay one-on-one, but I've been in press conference with him, with, with England and before, I think it was the Cup semi-final. And honestly, what a mature character. What a great representative of, of your club he is. And he's so young. What, is he 21, 22? 21, just bordering 22. He's, 20, he's 21. And it's like talking to a 31-year-old. He's worn the armband uh, many times already as well. Has he? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, I mean, that says it all. And even Wilf, I mean, I know Wave fans give Wilf a bit of stick, but I, mean, I think it was about two years ago, I had a long sit-down chat with him. And he was talking about his academy. He was talking about the orphanage that uh, his sister Corinne runs in, uh, in in Ivory Coast. And you just think, well, okay, so this was my perception of Wilf Zahar uh, beforehand. You know, didn't work out at Manchester United, what happened with England. I remember being on an England under-21 tournament and one or two of the players were, were just not completely impressed with, with, with him. And, but actually, when you sit down and you talk to him and you just think what what you know there's a man of substance there we knew what he did i think was it with the nhs giving mm-hmm. his his yeah. flats um houses over for for nhs workers you know they're good people at the at good people at the club so i look all clubs have that but it just seems to me if i think of palace i associate that very quickly if i'm thinking of the qualities of the club that's really nice to hear especially especially about wilf um speaking of good people at the club now Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were at St. George's Park at the start of last season and got to sort of see the early blossomings of Patrick Vieira's Palace. Did anything strike you then about Vieira and his approach and, and what he might be able to achieve at Palace? Um, and has it has anything surprised you, I guess, in what he has done? Um, I, not surprised, just delighted at how well he has been received, how well he's doing. You know, I mean, this is—he's a legend. Patrick Vieira. I saw him on uh, Monday night. There was a do in the West End. I had a chat with him, and he's just—it's funny. You come away from, from from talking to someone like Patrick Vieira, and he, his greatness as a player—he just wears it very lightly. You know, he's won a World Cup. He's won the European Championship. He's won what three Premier League titles, countless FA Cups, four, you know, Italian leagues, and yet he's just a. He'll ask about you. you know, if he was on the podcast now, and obviously you'd be grilling him about, you know, Palace, whatever. He will ask about you. He, 
And that is one of his strengths as a manager. He has these people skills. He really cares um, about people. Very, he's a very sentient individual. So I remember interviewing him a few times or press conferences, interviews at uh, at Arsenal. And they, and he's he's not really changed. He's always, a, you know, people associate him. Again, maybe it's like sort of the Wilf image to a certain extent, but the, the image doesn't do them justice. People would think of Vieira as, oh, it's Keane against Vieira. It's the incident in the tunnel at Highbury. He's this sort of snarling warrior of a midfielder. He's a really intelligent, thoughtful individual. And I think it's wonderful to see him doing in management. I mean, when he was over at New York City, I went over to see him and I sat in his office there and just listened to him and I'm thinking, English football needs you back. You know, Arsenal should have taken him. I mean, Wenger, for certain reasons, didn't really want strong or named, big name, uh, number two. But Vieira should have been taken on by Arsenal. Obviously, they're doing fine under Arteta now, and that's great. But you just think, I'm just so pleased that he's doing well because I always thought that this is an individual... Because he's, he's, it's amazing to think he's won a World Cup. He's won the European Championship. He's won all these things. There's no ego to him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that is why, I mean, players are quite funny. The younger players might say, oh, we had to YouTube you, boss, you know, to see what you've done. But they'll know he's one of the greats of the game. And he has this, yeah, he's good. I wouldn't want to cross him, though. I think, imagine he can be quite tough in the dressing room. You have to be to have been at the top for so long. But I just think he wears his greatness very lightly. And I think players respond to that. And you can see it. I also like the way you play football. You know, I like the way when I watch Anderson, I love his switches, you know, and you've got wingers, you've got attackers. You've got, you know, he, you recruit well as well. And plus also you've got this, as that documentary showed, you've got this fantastic supply line of local talent. Yeah, I think you're right about crossing him and uh, there'll be about four or five Everton fans who will completely agree with that as well. <laughs> yeah. um, just talking on the, ca- the character thing is interesting because you're right about his sort of wears the ego lightly. And actually you, you touched on Mark Gahey there and his character. And it seems to me from the outside, and you might know more about this, but Palace seem to really at the moment are targeting certain characters to be in the club. Ability obviously is important, but they seem to be really cultivating a squad of people with strong character, but good togetherness and, and all that kind of thing. Does that, does that something you've noticed as well? D- definitely. And two characters we haven't mentioned yet, Dougie Friedman and Mark Bright. I think they also set the tone um, in the training ground, the academy. I mean, have, have you been to the academy over the road from the first yeah. team? I mean, it's 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 really impressive, and they're sort of doing more developing there. I think, our, our, invite was, I think there. our invite was lost in the post when they opened well, it. Well, there, there have been postal strikes, and you've been hit by strikes <laughs> recently. Exactly. So, uh, um, thanks, Henry. But, yeah, but but seriously, but do if you, when you get a chance to go, go because it is. You know, little things like they make sure the parents are, are looked after when they drop the kids off, that siblings have a place to work, they're sort of coffee machines, what, what, whatever you need. They treat people properly. Uh, and then and players respect that. And you look at all the just little things like the, the dressing rooms are built in a uh, designed in a certain way to enhance togetherness rather than having the sort of, you know, the old classic rectangle. There's a, it's something they learned from Manchester City where they've built, I don't know the best way to describe it, whether it's almost like a sort of oval. So everyone's sort of looking in and there are no sharp edges. And it's, again, it's about sort of teamwork and character. But if you know the character of Debbie and, and Mark Bright well, and I've known Brighty in particular for years, you know, again, with, you know, but that means it's not patronising. This is just fact. 
these are good people. Mm. They work hard. They love, they understand the club. They love the club. And they just, so if, if I'm writing a piece on football, and this goes back many years, and I just want to have someone who I know is going to be a good guide through the sort of moral maze, the football maze of football, I'll often give Mark Bright a ring or a text or WhatsApp because I just know that he will, he'll put me in the right direction, not simply as a former footballer, but as just as, as someone who's got good principles. Coming back to the things about you and principles, and again, all clubs have it, but it's just something I, I it particularly resonates with me. I mean, I think I was just looking at your Twitter feed earlier. You're doing this marathon march, aren't you? You've yeah. got what 250 Palace fans signed up already to do something it, something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I assume you're doing it in the is it tied in with the London Marathon? No, I think no, it's, 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 separate. Separate. Brilliant. Brilliant. it's, it's south, it's foundation. a south London route, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. As, as someone who's done the London Marathon at walking pace, I uh, I thought <laughs> I, might, I thought it it, it, it struck a struck a chord with me, um, but yeah, but look, just things like that. So just you're so close to it that unfortunately, in a way that I can sort of step back and say, look, Palace are doing all these things right, and it is you know it's it's great. To see. I saw Ian Wright the other night. We had a chat about Palace, and you know, Wright, okay, he's associated with Arsenal, with England, but for me, originally, absolutely with uh, with 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 Palace. And again, he embodies that. You know, he's a good character. People think of him always going into you know. I, mean, I covered so many of these FA disciplinary disputes down the years, particularly when he was at Arsenal, and. Yeah, there's a there's a good character there as well. So yeah, another huge credit to uh, to, to, to the club. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. 
really interesting to hear you say that because you're right we do get i mean we literally this pod once a week and we're bearing down into the minutiae of palace you know tactics and whatever this and that and we do you do sometimes get a bit bogged down in the details and actually it's interesting to hear someone from the other side taking a step back and actually seeing the bigger picture and actually i said this a few times in the pod i think if if what palace is doing at the moment if it was another mid-table premier league club southampton or leicester or someone like that we'd be saying my word they're doing things well at the moment but actually it's palace and i think sometimes for the fans it's really difficult having watched palace you know my first game was 92 so having watched them being mostly terrible for most of my supporting life to watch them now not only be good play good football and doing everything in a sort of ethical and moral kind of way it's actually quite jarring and quite difficult i think for a lot of fans to actually get their head around you're a well-run club you're a well-run club financially and emotionally we can sort of stray into those worlds you've got a good manager good owner you know you are you're 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 in a good place and i I like i mean people say oh you know maybe could upgrade the uh you know the ground a bit more but actually you might lose something you might lose a little bit of that edge you know remember when arsenal went into their new stadium it took them a bit of time to sort of settle in there Mm -hmm. west ham but i mean west ham you know, and the media were slightly culpable in this because everyone was going, oh, we love the Olympics. We've got to keep the London Stadium. It's the home of all these golden records. I was going, no, bulldoze the place, build a proper football stadium there yeah. and then get West Ham to pay for it properly. And then and then have an athletic stadium, well, Crystal Palace or at Birmingham or whether North London, you know. It was, you know, and the, but the media was, oh, we've got to have it. And I was going, no, you know, I'm the son of an architect who designed sports stadium in, in, in sorry, yeah, sports stadium in the States, baseball stadium. And, you know, they've got to be fit for purpose. And anyway, that's, uh, but to be fair to West Ham fans, you know, they are more embedded in the place. But just appreciate, appreciate how special your ground is in terms of atmosphere. You know, I know you go to away games and all that, but there is something special. Maybe it's because it's like getting to the Antarctic. By the time you've actually, <laughs> as, a, as an outsider, reached, um, reached Selhurst Park, you're just so pleased to be there. You just go, this is El Dorado. This is wonderful. <laughs> I've, I've absolutely made it. Maybe it's the hospitality of the people there, the friendliness of the stewards, whether it's all about that. But you have a special ground. That and we'll be nice. one of the last ones with, the, you know, think about Everton and their last few seasons at Goodison. I guess, you know, presuming Palace you know, managed to stay up and that is still the first ambition of every season to maintain Premier League status. But at some point we might be one of the last clubs with one of those types of ground in the Premier League, which I guess would become a bit of a novelty. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, you look around your area. I mean, I imagine house prices are fairly decent around there. You would actually generate. Is there a covenant on the pitch? I don't know. Not sure. Get a covenant on the pitch. Paging Steve Parrish. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's what CC Steve Parrish. Be fair to Steve Parrish. Steve Parrish sees things years ago. Sure, he has. If anyone has, it would be Steve Parrish. Yeah, and he would be. And and what I like about Steve is that he's a smart businessman, so he runs it commercially, but he also runs it you know intelligently, emotionally as well. He, you know, he's he's a fan, he's he's heart and head when it comes to I mean there was an event uh, is it Spironis, that sort of 
bar restaurant you've got yeah. at the front, and there's mm. a um, a Paris that palace related charity. I think it's called Wings for Life. And Steve spoke at that, and he was absolutely brilliant. And what I liked about him, it was there were probably about thirty tables of uh, of Palace fans there. He went round every table, shook hands, and it was like not sort of cliche of the family club, but uh, but actually someone who genuinely cared, was interested, was take absorbing feedback. You know, you've got a you've got an owner who isn't hiding in the Everglades or Denver or Boston or wherever. You've got someone who walks amongst you. Yeah. yeah. He's also not pre- um, uh, projecting a uh, an all-star game uh, for this season, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, speaking of sort of looking forward, I guess looking back briefly and then looking forward, because when Vieira joined, lots of people, Palace fans were excited, of course, big name and remember his playing career and stuff, but his record before that obviously was short, uh, hadn't been around long. There was a, a little bit of trepidation as to how he would adapt into the Premier League uh, in terms of his tactics and, and experience and stuff. Did you have any of those uh, worries with him as well? N- not really, because if you look to what happened at Nice, he actually did pretty okay, given the circumstances. Uh, having seen what he did at New York, having seen what he did at the uh, EDS team at, uh, at Manchester City, and just knowing his character, and also maybe there was a slight sort of romantic in me, he was wanting to see a player who had done so much in the game, who was such an engaging individual. You want to see good guys win. And Vieira is one of the. Vieira is so popular, not simply amongst journalists, but people within the game, former players, managers. There's no, I mean, probably even, I think even Roy Keane gets on with him now, you know. So there is that, there is, he's just a good guy. And you just think of where he came from, the, you know, the struggles that he had, that he fought through, the glass ceilings that he's smashed through. He's a role model. You know, he's a pioneer. He's and 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 yet he's remained to someone with his feet on the ground. We always have this thing at the start of the season. A journalists, a few of us journalists, always sort of say, "Right, start the season. Let's have a look at the Premier League managers. Which would you most like to go for a drink with, and which would you most like to to, to have alongside you in a fight?" And <laughs> with given given my background i mean i'm so i say to the guys listen i don't really get in a get in fights but um you know if it if it may be kicked off if someone dropped a tray in a wine bar who would i like to have supporting me um and i i mean it's normally sean dyche it's often jürgen klopp um because klopp's brilliant company and he's he's very imposing figure you wouldn't want to cross him and uh but i think Vieira would do well though actually I just think Vieira, because he's such he's such an engaging, I don't know whether he drinks, but probably not, but he's just such an engaging character. Um, and also, if you looked at him, you'd just say, why? As, as that Everton fan did, as, yeah, as Jim mentioned absolutely. earlier. <laughs> you know what? He's he, he's got a, he's got a stare on him. But he's just, look, he's, he's, he's a good man as well as a good manager, and I'm glad everyone's now seeing that. Look, there will be bumps along the road with uh, with, with Palace. You know, what, you've not won for your last three? Is that uh, right? Yeah, Newcastle, City and Brentford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. But one, I think win, one win in six, but it was, you know, a very good win. But Yeah, yeah. But, but there's obviously a buzz around the team at the moment. There's, a, I mean, you know better than I would, but there seems to be a belief amongst the fans in the league you've got in the dugout. Yeah, I mean, there there are questions as there are with any manager about certain substitution choices, certain tactical choices, but in terms of stability and the desire to keep the manager, there's 
certainly no mention of who's next or what's coming. I think there's a lot of trust in in Vieira, and, and I hope that he's here for a long time. Um, yeah. So, which is yeah. a miracle in the age of social media, because very much so. you know, you know, the ne- the next corner, the next throw-in gets questioned. Should a manager stay on if this corner doesn't go in or whatever, or it doesn't beat the first man? So, look, that's the world we live in. I think we have a slightly angry society, and and that's reflected on social media. So the fact that there is still all this support, but I also wish that there was a button on social media which or you had to say on your bio whether you've actually been to a game because if I talk to fans of a certain club walking out of the ground I came out of Chelsea last night because I had a rush to get a train uh, back north and I was walking out with supporters and they were all sort of you know, fairly measured they had one or two issues with the substitutions but give Potter a chance and then you flick on social media and it's like Potter out <laughs> you know so uh, yeah I think there should be a uh, you should have it in your, your bio where it says you know bio says I was at that game yeah um and again, this is a general thing, and this is particularly pertinent post-COVID, is that match-going fans absolutely have to be supported properly. Because going to those games week after week, I mean, I was fortunate, privileged to be able to go to games in, in lockdown, but they were awful you know, without the atmosphere. And we've got brilliant supporters in this country who work, obviously, club to club. Sometimes... I want to see the, the, the fans more collective, like the Germans are, reacting to things like, you know, unsympathetic train companies, like unsympathetic broadcasters. Okay, it's a bit hypocritical of me as someone who's involved in the media, but game is being moved at short notice. I'm not talking about the sort of the current ones because that's an extraordinary situation. But I do think that, and I, I talked to the, to, to, to the league and the FA and the EFL about this, and I was just saying, what lockdown showed or what games behind closed doors was just games without fans. Actually the broadcasters hated it. And the broadcast, the only thing the, these, the, the, the clubs and the, the leagues understand is money. They understand broadcast money because of the billions involved and the broadcasters want what you provide. And actually ticket prices should be lower. I, th- I, I don't know how much your season ticket is, but I imagine because you're a well-run club, it's fairly balanced. But you know what? Given the, the cost of um, living crisis, because of heating bills, we're going into a winter period. It is going to be an issue with some people. And the, the fans absolutely have to be protected, you know. So, so it's just... Um, but they, they, they have to be protected. Um, more and if lockdown didn't show that so I mean I love the Football Supporters Association they do a fantastic job but I do like it when fans across the country act collectively as you and you know Chelsea fans Arsenal fans Liverpool fans um, did and Manchester United fans did over the European Super League that was a great moment when football stood up and it would be nice to see that I'm not lecturing you guys here. I just think it's, you know, I, I'm fortunate to go and watch games in other countries. And I was at school in uh, in Munich as a kid and watched Bayern. And so I've always sort of followed the Bundesliga. And you just see that, that collectivity they have together and they act on certain things. And I just think it would be great if the sort of tribalism, innate tribalism, which should be celebrated because it makes English football so special, but sometimes if that was put to, side, to one side and you all stood together on certain things like ticket prices, like 
games being moved at the last minute, which, you know, must be a pain for you. If you've got a game up in, I don't know, the northwest or the northeast and you've booked your train, you've booked your uh, your accommodation, and then you suddenly lose that because the broadcaster moves it, you know, at the very least, they should be moving games earlier to give people a fair chance. I think that's the the biggest issue for, for a lot of fans, particularly those of us that travel away, is the, the delay in announcing games. Yeah. That's that's the biggest issue because train prices start very high, so naturally they're only going to get more expensive. Um, and if they're moved, they're often normally fundable, and that causes a, a problem in itself. But yeah, I think Palace fans do do try and provide that kind of united front as a, as a fan base. And often there's you know a, a banner being shown at the ground, often related to mm-hmm. issues relating to finance. So, but I do, yeah, definitely the, the point about the broader and maybe over the next year or so with as you say, the cost of living crisis and, and other things, maybe fan groups will unite and there'll be a consistent message across all clubs. I think one of the good things you do have is that you've got uh, Steve in the corridors of power in those yeah. Premier League meetings and you have got someone who does understand the fan's mindset. Look, he's, he's a businessman, but he's he's a he's a Palace fan and he will bring that into the debate, which is important because there are one or two people living in the, you know, the Glazers aren't going to get involved in that conversation. They don't care. I don't think it was lost on Palace fans that when the Super League chat was happening last yeah. year, that Parish was the one that the other clubs felt comfortable enough to go onto the media and and kind of be their spokesperson to to make the case against it. Um, so yeah, another another reason for for Palace fans being very grateful for Steve. Just Henry, just in terms of Palace this season, what do you think is the the possible uh, high point for Palace this season? Or taking into account that it's going to be a very peculiar season with the the scheduled break for the World Cup, but also now this kind of backlog of games that has accrued as well. How many players have you got going to the World Cup? Well, that's another question we were going to ask. I think we've got probably, in terms of our first 11, Anderson will go with Denmark. Um, and that's probably the only one that's that's kind of belted on, would you say? A Jordan Ayew will go with, with Ghana. Um, gay, possibly. Gay, well, gay the, possibly, one of the questions yeah. we had was was also whether you felt there was room in the England squad for Mark Gay or, or possibly Eberechi Eze. And your left back. And Tyreek, who did yes, get calls, Mitchell. but he's he's in a bit of a, a a bit of a tough spot in that he was very much coming in to, to kind of fill an injury hole, but also his form and, and he's had injuries himself. But I think if Palace fans think there are two chances, it's possibly Gay and, and Eze who might get a call from Gareth Southgate. But just on Tyreek, you, you look at England's left back issues at the moment. Luke Shaw's on the bench at Manchester United. Very true. And and Ben Chirwell. Is mm. has been pushed out by uh, a sixty million pound signing. Yeah, Brighton's Brighton's finest. Uh, yeah. Brighton's. Um, so yeah, there, there's a there's an opportunity for him there. But but just coming back to that general point, if you've only got two three players pretty much guaranteed from a what twenty five man squad mm. going to the World Cup, so Patrick can probably give them two weeks off. I don't know why I call it Patrick, I just call him Vieira. But so Vieira <laughs> should give them well that friendly with him. Um, should give them two weeks off, which is which is fantastic, and then come back in and you'll have sort of what sort of two weeks of sort of yeah. flying again. And you, you know what? It's not simply about how they're going to restart from Boxing Day onwards. And Vieira will have you lot absolutely flying. He'll embed, you know, with respect to, to Denmark, how how far they're going to go into the tournament. You know, you might have Anderson back so slightly earlier. Um but also, it's what it's going to be like for the, the two rounds of Premier League games. I think it's a bit of Europe and maybe a Carabao Cup, whatever. Um, although probably the Stars weren't playing that. But actually, in the build-up to the World Cup, you are going to have some players who are going to slightly ease off the mm-hmm. accelerator. 
It's going to be a very odd set of games that week before the World Cup starts. It is. So just the sort of broader point is you're actually in quite a good situation there because you'll be able to get, because everyone will gun it right up until uh, the World Cup to that final round of Premier League games. And then you'll have the break, you'll come back and then, you know, and then you'll absolutely fly from Boxing Day again. So uh, you have to look at this, the World Cup dynamic. Look, we all know it's a ridiculous place to have it. We all know the ridiculous reasons it's there. There are obviously going to be issues. I'm sure there'll be one or two demonstrations out there. I hope England, if they discover a moral compass, which I do actually think the majority of England players do, I think they will have make some sort of protest. So look, Qatar is a joke that it's happening. Time of year, location, it's ridiculous. But in terms of, and also with the damage it's doing to the season, but you have to look at this season if you're going to make any predictions of where Palace are going to finish with this element of, actually, you're going to be in quite a good place because of the World Cup and you'll come fly. And, you know, you may start picking up quite a few um, points and results late December in January because there will be other tiers. I don't know who you've got then, but if you've got clubs who are... Uh, who've got players who are, who are running deep into the tournament? Then I think that that will help you. We've got we've got Spurs on the second of January, for example. So that's there you go. So, so Henry, uh, you're saying you're, you're saying dust off your passports? Is that what you're saying? Is that <laughs> kind of the for Palace fans? Get ready, get looking. <laughs> but why not? I mean, the whole if if you can't dream in sport, you know what are we here for? You yeah. know, I mean, I love going to games because you just don't know what's going to happen. There might Very be some seventeen-year-old kid who steps off the bench and has an absolute worldie, and you just you just see that development. That is, you know, that is that is vital. But yeah, you can you can push for Europe. I think you might need to be a bit more. You look, you guys would know better than me, but it seems to me you need to be more consistent in your finishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I look at you and I can't work out actually who's your starting centre forward. Because yeah. you've got about three or four good options. But to me, they're like sort of eight out of ten options rather than having a nine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can watch Palace for 90 minutes and, and that changes throughout the game. It's it's one of those. But... It's the one question each week on the podcast that we keep, yeah. we keep asking. Yeah. Who's going to score the goals? Yeah. yeah. And his name's Wilfred Zaha. And if anything <laughs> happens to Wilfred Zaha, then there's there's obviously issues. And we, we won't go down the whole contract route. Let's have a week off talking about Will's contract this this week, Jim. But yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. And so, Henry, in terms of Eze or, or Gay, maybe Gay's better placed in terms of a chance for a, a squad place, given that he had uh, minutes for, for England in the, in the spring? Yeah, and um, by all accounts, talking to people at the FA, and this is a classic Southgate thing, and obviously another good character who you know well, he uh, gave really impressed them with his personality, with his, you know, it's, I don't know whether I can say this on a podcast, but the, the, the bleep it out if you want, but, the, you know, the All Blacks have this no dickheads policy, mm-hmm. and that is really defined Southgate's choice that one or two players he might not look at because he doesn't think there'll be a good influence around the club he goes for characters as well as good players and I think Mark Gay he's just so impressed the other players the management the FA staff people around the hotel with it's just just little things like he comes in and does an interview and then he puts his chair back under the <laughs> table afterwards and then he yeah. picks up his his bottle of water and he just ties this up that is an academy thing anyway but it's also something that Southgate very much looks at so I think as a player well, he's a good player most importantly he's good, captain yeah, yeah. you as, as, as you said and he's a good character I think he's got a chance particularly with a 26 man squad mm-hmm. particularly with Gareth Southgate um, possibly playing a three in certain games 
so you'll have a Maguire and uh, and Stones, probably Eric Dyer coming back in, possibly Tyrone Mings. So absolutely, you know, there is a chance for a Tamori or definitely a Gay there. I think, I mean, so each week, Henry, I pick a title for the podcast. And I think this week's title is definitely No Dickheads, um, which I think is, is absolutely nailed on. And actually, it sounds like actually Palace have a similar policy, actually, when it comes to, yeah. to for players at the moment and recruitment, which is, which is I think, encouraging. But just on sort of the chances of a Gehi and, 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 and an Eze, you know, back in the day, you know, in the, in the mid-2000s, if you weren't playing for Liverpool or Man United, then you weren't basically going to play for England in, in a major tournament. But now it does seem like mid-table teams like Palace are able to really cultivate these England international quality players. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to say his name again. It comes up every week, but Conor Gallagher, who are all desperate to come oh. back and, and obviously hasn't come back this summer. But a lot of us thought, well, if he came out to Palace for six months, that would genuinely improve, improve his World Cup chances. Because it seems like players at clubs like Palace genuinely are getting more of a look in now than they would have done in the past. I feel for Conor Gallagher. I haven't watched him last night. And obviously he came on, he ran hard. And you just think, if you were Palace's midfield, starting week in, week out, week in, week out, you would go to the World Cup without a shadow of doubt. Now, we always have this sort of friendly game with Southgate. He always says he picks players on form. And then we'll probably have this conversation. Well, actually, there's no press conference. But if Maguire's in the squad, he's not picking Maguire on form. (laughs) But he is picking people on good characters, what they've done for him. Maguire's never let him down, so he'll be in the squad. And you just think, someone like Kalaki, he needs to be playing. Another thing about him, again, he's one of these good characters. It was clear from the FA and look, it's not first day at school. They're not saying, oh, you know, he's going to be a prefect, he's going to be a monitor, he's going to be on the naughty step. But they do want good individuals. And that's key for Southgate, particularly when you've got an England squad that should be heading deep into tournaments. They're going to be spending so much time together in the hotel. It's obviously slightly easier last summer because they were mainly at St George's Park. But it's you know it's 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 a big thing. You know, we hold up in a hotel for like four and a half weeks possibly. And I just think well, you know you mentioned kind of gap. We haven't even mentioned you know you've got Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson's with you, isn't he? You know, I mean he's sort of fringes, but he's a he's a good goalkeeper. I thought when I watched Will Hughes coming through, I thought he would sort of develop into in, into an England international of the future. Hasn't quite quite trained on as as we expected. Buckland as well, you know, another sort of good individual who's slightly slipped down the, uh, the, the, the pecking order. Um, but with someone like Conor Gallagher, you know, you, you want someone like him. I think he gives something different in midfield. That energy, that driving on, and he would just, you know, continue to, uh, to develop. And again, he's another one who fits into South, a plighter version of, of describing probably Gareth Southgate's good citizen charter, which is what he wants rather than no dickheads. But I will, I will allow you to pick whichever one you want for your, uh, for, 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 for your headline, as long as you put it out after the nine o'clock watershed. I think you know which one it's going to be. Come on. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. <laughs> Henry, thanks. It's been an absolute joy having you on. I really, really appreciate you giving us your time and, and giving your insight into Palace. And um, yeah, really, really appreciate it. I, get, I just just quickly then to sort of round off, um, what's the limit for this this Palace team under Vieira? Because it, it really feels like at the moment, you know, and Jack's the same age as me as well. Th- this is the first time that I think we're going into a season 
genuinely not scared of relegation. You know, genuinely quite confident the manager's going to be here, certainly until the end of this season. You know, genuinely quite confident in the recruitment process. This, this feels like sort of the best time to be a Palace fan. Is that is that sort of something you see from the outside as well? Well, it's good news for you that Arteta's doing well, because at some point you can imagine <laughs> Vieira back at... Um, Fiera back at, uh, at at Arsenal. I think a lot of Arsenal fans would like that. I love the way you, you've you've sort of said that I bring an insight to Palace. I mean, I can bring an outside to Palace because I'm looking at it from the outside and I can compare it with all or contrast it with all the other clubs I go to. But, you know, you guys are in the middle of it and you should just be absolutely enjoying it. You've got a good manager, you've got good owners, you've got some terrific players, you've got a great atmosphere. And as always with Palace, you have one of the best strips around. <laughs> If only we got extra points for that each week. You should do. I think there should be an artistic element. Look, if we're bringing in all-star games, we can bring in a a, a fashion factor. If only. Yeah, and, and I agree with you as well. It is clearly the best kit in, in, but look, in good luck to the, Good luck for the season. I think European football at, at Palace would be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, can you imagine Real Madrid stuck on the North Circular? I mean, that would I'd probably retire. That would be that would just be brilliant. Just, just seeing Benzema walking along the hard shoulder uh, past uh, an Aldi in Thornton Heath, sort of saying, where's Selhurst Park? I can see the lights, you know, I can, it's biblical scenes, I can hear the noise. And it will uh, be part of the game plan. Way yeah. through, weaving his way through the terraced houses, um, you know, with Vinicius Jr. helping him across the road because of their articulated lorries flying <laughs> past. Um, yeah, Real Madrid at... Real Madrid at Palace. That is good. I will retire then. Well, they were the first team to visit us when we had new floodlights installed in 1950-something. Something, Something so, yep. There you know, go. It's, it's, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe you should, they should come when you've had some traffic lights installed. <laughs> it will never happen. Never. It will never happen. It's South, <laughs> South London and Proud. There's no need. Traffic doesn't move. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, mate, Henry, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Good luck for the season. Whenever you get to play again. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Best of luck. Really nice talking to you. Thank you, Henry. Henry. Pleasure. Have Cheers. a good day. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. to the, the the little ending of this week's very special five-year plan podcast sponsored by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios or help with mitigating against rising interest rates or just to have a chat about Palace. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Huge thanks to Henry Winter. He's a very busy man. England's squad announcement today as well, but he's found found time to have an hour's chat with us about his thoughts on Palace. Really, really appreciate his time. Uh, and Jack, that was fascinating, wasn't it? All the stuff about Palace, watching his early Palace days, the, the World Cup, Gahey stuff. I mean, what a guy. Brilliant. Really good. Um, kind of weird to kind of find myself in a Sunday supplement type of situation with him <laughs> just didn't have any baked goods in front of me to, to enjoy but yeah absolutely brilliant I mean there's I think I said at the start like no not well so I won't go full hog but not many better placed people in, in British football really to, to talk about football generally but obviously have have a focused chat about Palace absolutely brilliant to get his insight and um, yeah I hope the listeners find that as interesting as we did 
And very encouraging as well. Like I think that, that it's definitely true that we obviously the, the point of this podcast this week is to is to go down into the, the details of Palace matches and, and all that and the subs. And that's what we do. And we like doing that. But having someone who obviously isn't as emotionally invested in Palace, but talking about things from taking a step back in a wider picture, talking so positively about the club, it's actually really, really reassuring, isn't it? And yes, we get annoyed about the subs sometimes and, and maybe the back five and all that. But actually... The wider picture is so good. And, and you know, Henry is not someone that will come on and I think just kind of like ruffle our feathers and say nice things. I think if Palace were a mess, he would say so. But someone talking so positively about the manager and the character and the character at the club and the academy. And, you know, it's really, really, really encouraging. Yeah, and his, I guess his insight across the board in terms of the, the boardroom, the manager, the players, um, you know, not many of us are placed to have that type of insight. So to get it from from Henry was was great. As you say, to hear him speak so positively about Palace is is really reassuring. You know, often you know friends of mine who don't support Palace say similar things, but um, <laughs> perhaps don't come with the weight of every winter saying it. So, yeah, really great, and um, yeah, just interested to hear what you said about Gay. <clears throat> I think we've all thought that in terms of his character, um, but that was particularly interesting in light of the the uh, England squad being announced today. Fingers crossed, marks included in that squad. So, yeah, really good, and, uh, and I hope that filled the, the kind of palace gap in people's lives at the moment. Yeah, indeed, yeah, absolutely. Yes, we appreciate. You know, we've got a couple of weeks of no palace, so we're trying our best to fill it with stuff. We've got plans for next week as well. I think we're going to do a sort of Brighton-themed episode, so maybe maybe like best Brighton moment, something like that to fill the gap, which would have been a Brighton review episode. Uh, and then we've hopefully got another special guest for the final week of September, which we're working on. So hope you guys are, in, are enjoying these um, uh, as we're doing them. And as you said, I'm going to try and get this out before the squad announcement, but it may well be that uh, the squad announcement for England has happened. So let's just say congrats. Let's do two endings. Congrats, Mark Gahey. Brilliant. Well done. Really, really deserved. And then we'll do an edit here. Such a shame he didn't. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's Maguire's not even playing for United. Exactly. It's a disgrace. <laughs> Southgate out. <laughs> there we go. We covered all bases. We covered all bases. Brilliant stuff. All right, love, you, Gareth. Jack- love you, Gareth. We'd yeah, love you to really. come on the pod at some point. Please come on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, Henry can sort that. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get sure. that at some point. Um, that'd be what a booking that would be. My word. Um, anyway, mate, Jack. Thanks so much for for joining us. Uh, this pleasure, morning. absolute really pleasure. Thank it. you. And Henry as well. Thank you very much for for giving up your time to join us. Hope you enjoyed that. We're back next week with uh, uh, some sort of Brighton special uh, to fill that gap as well. And uh, if you're on the Patreon, there'll be some Patreon episodes as well. So do check that out. But in the meantime, um, try and enjoy the, the, the Palace free time. Take care of yourselves wherever you are. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Podcast Network.